Yeah, just for tonight, for the time that we have here, um, I want to talk about a, uh, a sense of wonder in our relationship with God. And, and just quickly, I suppose, um, you know, just listening to Campbell's testimony just then, uh, my circumstances were different. And I know here in this room, uh, many of us have our own uh, testimony of how God's worked with us. But just for me, um, I, uh, yeah, I suppose I found myself 19 years of age and was a, was a lad that was happy to try a bit of anything, um, whatever the world would throw at me. But, um, I didn't see a whole heap of future. And when I was, when I was 20, um, back in 1995, I, um, I realized that I'd received the Holy Spirit. And I was baptized and my life completely changed. And for the first time in my life, I had a, a real awe and a sense of wonder for who um, God was. I mean, I'd looked at the stars before and, you know, I thought it was great. But when, when I knew God was real, it lit this um, sort of awe and wonder in my life that, um, praise the Lord's never really gone away. And, um, the Bible tells us, it, when Paul wrote to the Hebrews, uh, the Hebrew church, he said, it's a fearful thing uh, to fall into the hands of the living God. And um, the word fearful that he used, it's formidable, um, which is maybe a word we don't use a lot now, but it means inspiring respect through impressive power. And I suppose that's who our God is. That's who God is. He's, he, he has this, um, this amazing ability to inspire respect in us because of the things that he's able to do. And, and, and I suppose we've only seen a, a small portion of it. And, you know, it just got me really thinking that when we've had something in our possession, um, maybe for a length of time, maybe we've walked with the Lord for a while, um, sometimes we can lose our you know, our ability to see its value the same as maybe when we first um, received it. And I was thinking about the world we're in now and how much, in some ways, um, there's an attempt there to remove our sense of wonder. And I was thinking about all the kinds of things that are around in our world now that maybe even just a few years ago weren't. Um, especially, uh, you know, you think of some of um, the movies and things that come out now with all its, you know, art direction and visual and special effects, like these things that go up on the screen that are just so overpowering that, um, you know, when you first see something like that, you think, wow, how do they do that? And after a while, you just think, oh, yeah, I've seen it. You know, um, you know, we've got things like artificial intelligence writing music. We've got artificial intelligence creating art. We've got autonomous um, vehicles, you know, autonomous flight things that fly and drive themselves. We've got a whole range of people on the earth doing extreme things, you know, a lot of extreme sport where people do things where you have to do a double take and go, is that actually possible to do 37 backflips off of five metres high or, you know, people just pushing the boundaries. And all of this, you know, it can just um, build a, I don't know, a, a sense in us that of... of there's nothing I can see that will surprise me. And this is not new because God knew this. God knew this is the path um, mankind would take. And, and I'm just going to quote some things here for, for our time that we have here tonight. But back in, right back in the book of Genesis in chapter 11, um, the time when it talks about men 
I guess, becoming lifting up, lifted up and building a, you know, building a tower, um, the Tower of Babel, as we know. And um, he just, I'm going to quote it to you. It says, Genesis 11, verse 6. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all, uh, have all one language, and this they begin to do, and now nothing shall be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. And what it means is nothing was going to become inaccessible. Whatever they've imagined, they're going to try and make it come about. And, you know, in our own imagination, or we, our own personal one, or we might look around at the things, you know, some people have very imaginative minds, and we might think it's pretty great, or, you know, wow, how do people come up with that? But, you know, God, God says, I can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you even, um, I should quote the scripture to get it properly, shouldn't I? But he said, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, anything that we can even begin to imagine, God can do exceedingly abundantly beyond that. And it it goes on to say, according to the power that works in us, it's the Holy Ghost. And God still has plenty up his sleeve. He hasn't begun to show the world what he can do. Um, we, we've heard fantastic testimonies down here of, a, I guess, snippets where, where God, God helps us in our life, but God is incredibly meek. You know, he has um, this incredible power that um, as natural people, as flesh and blood, if he were to, to show us all that he was capable of, we, we wouldn't be able to handle it. It would be too magnificent for us. And we use the word awesome but God is awesome in the true sense, you know, in, in an awesome way. And I suppose through the Holy Ghost that uh, is, is in us or, or, or if you're here visiting and hearing some of these things for the first time that he wants to put in you, he wants to open our eyes um, to his ability and to his power. And um, I was thinking a little bit, I'm going to have a look tonight, a little bit in the book of Ezekiel and Ezekiel found himself uh, as a prophet, um, sort of 560 years before Christ, around then, um, in a time when a part of Israel, the nation of Israel, the house of Judah, um, had found themselves conquered and they'd gone captive under the Babylonians, under another people, and they're being held there. And um, I'm not sure of, of Ezekiel's age. It's maybe around 30 years of age um, when he starts to get these visions. And if you want to turn there with me to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 1, Ezekiel records um, about 12 or 13 different visions that he, that he actually places a date on of when the vision appeared to him. And um, and it happened to him over sort of a course of about 22 years of his life. And um, interestingly, these, these visions that he has, they're not in order in the book because if you just look at verse 1 there, he says, um, now it came, uh, of Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 1, says, now it came to pass in the 30th year in the fourth month. So he dates um, the time. But if you go over to chapter 8, um, just quickly, just to see my point, it says, and it came to pass in verse one, in the sixth year, in the sixth month. So they're not um, necessarily um, sequential; they've just been put together in this book. 
And I'm just thinking about um, this this man here, you know, um, you know, maybe late 20s, early 30s, and God is showing him something awesome. And you, and you, I don't know if anyone here has ever had to take minutes in a meeting and you're trying to interpret what's being said and write it down clearly. He's being shown things that he's never seen before in his life and he's having to come up with the words, and I guess as God's inspiring, to record what he's seeing. And it's something just completely supernatural. And I just want to pick a few things. So just in verse 4, we read here and it says, And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, the great cloud, and a fire enfolding itself. And a brightness was about it, and out of the midst thereof as the colour of amber, and out of the midst of the fire. And he talks just a little bit here, uh, talking about this fire enfolding itself as God is showing him this vision. And it's not dissimilar to Moses when the Lord appeared to him in the desert, and he talks about being uh, in in Exodus 3, about a a burning bush, and a fire, and the bush wasn't consumed. And I want to just keep reading. It says in verse 5, and it says, Also out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. And everyone had four faces, and everyone had four wings. And we, and we don't have time to, to go through all of this. And, and I, and I don't, um, proclaim to understand it all in detail, but, the vision goes on to talk about these living creatures having four faces, one uh, of a man, of a lion, uh, of an ox, and of an eagle. And there are types of Jesus Christ in that. And there's detail about their appearance and their wings moving like lightning. And, and again, there's this, this young man trying to record what God is showing them this awesome vision. And as it just talks about lightning there, again, a type of Jesus, we know in Matthew 24, um, in verse 27, Jesus said, For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And um, there's lots of, uh, and, and he goes on, and again, I'm just picking bits out of this because there's so much in it. But he talks, it goes on and talks about an appearance of a, of a wheel upon the earth. And um, next to these creatures and a wheel within the middle of the wheel, we sing, we sing that as a chorus. And it talks about where these wheels are sent, the creatures went as well, and, and, and wherever the spirit went, the wheels went by them, and the spirit of the creatures were in the wheels, this real mystery. But what we can draw from it, and again, we, we can't look into it in detail tonight, is that Ezekiel's being shown this vision of a, of a heavenly, of a heavenly realm, and the Son of God, and the earthly realm, and and his spirit moving, or, or God's spirit moving in both, you know, in this um, in the heavenly and the earthly to accomplish the plan of God. And Ezekiel's trying to record this. And whatever Ezekiel saw, it was an awesome sight. It was something amazing. And this happened to him over a twenty you know twenty two year period. And just on in in chapter two, just another point I want to bring up here. Um. It just says uh, in verse 6, because the Lord told him um, that he needed to um, to go to the people in captivity and, 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 and talk to them and tell them about their captivity to hear. And it just says in verse 6, and he says, And thou, son of man, be not afraid of them, and neither be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns um, be with thee. 
In other words, there's going to be, there's going to be some persecution. There's, and, you know, Paul the Apostle, almost 600 years later, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he had the same thing. He, he spoke about knowing a man in Christ and not being able to tell whether he was in his body or not. But he said, unless I should be exalted above all measure, I was sent a thorn in the flesh, a Satan, uh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. And so wherever there's this incredible revelation of God, wherever, um, I suppose the gospel is set free to pre, to, to let people free from their captivity. When people are captive to a life of, um, you know, I suppose of, of just unhappy and, and, and all the things that life can bring that keep us captive, you know, that keep us apart from God. Um, when we set that free, persecution can come. But the message to Ezekiel was, uh, don't let that put you off, you know. And um, he, he goes on in, in this chapter and he just says about, he, the Lord had to say to Ezekiel, look, when you, and maybe there's a type there even for us today that he says, look, you know, they may not listen to you. He said, but I haven't sent you to a hard people. I've sent you to a people of your own language. And I just want to pick up um, maybe in verse, uh, let's have a look, chapter 3. Yeah, just in chapter 3, it goes down a bit further. In a point he says, he says, Behold, I have made thy face strong against their faces. And he said, And thy forehead strong against their foreheads. And as an adamant harder than flint have I made their forehead, made thy forehead, and fear them not, and neither be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. And, um, you know, I suppose what God was saying to Ezekiel is, I've put within you, um, even though you've got a hard situation around you, even though you've got a people around you that have a different agenda than following their creator, I've, I've put a power and a strength and a, and a hardness and a resilience um, for the things of God inside of you, the same way that he's able to um, today, not, um, you know, to have the right kind of spiritual strength and an awe within us to be able to go and take our experience. And, you know, maybe through the Holy Ghost, we, we are stronger than we give ourselves credit for. And, and God was reminding Ezekiel, you, you are strong to be able to do this. And, um, you know, and he was told back just a bit earlier, the key was, was that he was to consume the word, that it was to go into his, to his belly and he was to take it in and he was to eat it up. And, um, there's a lot in that, again, even for us today. And, um, well, there's just so much in this passage. Um, <laughs> I just want to go down maybe in verse 14, just, um, a few things here. And it just says in the end, he says, so the spirit it lifted me up and it took me away. And he says, I went in bitterness in the heat of my spirit, but the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. It doesn't mean that, um, you know, Ezekiel in some ways, even though he had this incredible uh, revelation and he had this um, hard job to fulfill, that um, he necessarily found it easy. And it goes on and he said, and then I came to them uh, of the captivity at Tel Aviv that dwelt by the river Cheba, and I sat there, sat where they sat, and I remained there astonished among them seven days. It actually means he was just awestruck. He was stunned. 
And again, I, I, I don't know if it's from the things that God showed him. If you read through and you think, how was he, what was God showing him there? You know, it's just this, this awe. And it just got me thinking here tonight. And, you know, as we're hearing some of the testimonies we're hearing and we reflect on our own walk with the Lord and our own relationship, however long that's been, or, um, again, maybe we've got some visitors in here tonight that, um, you know, it's not just the lone, uh, Ezekiel's that can go and speak with God backing them. You know, it can be, as we've heard, it can be the person at school. It can be, you know, the mum dropping the kids off. It can be talking to the neighbours over the road. Um, you know, I suppose I just want to encourage us all here tonight to keep our sense of wonder for what God can do, that, um, that we, don't, um, we don't let that go and not lose our awe because of, um, you know, strong unbelief around us in many cases. Just thinking lastly, it's a bit like um, if we know the story of Pharaoh um, and, and his magicians when Moses and Aaron had to go into him, you know, Moses would go in, he'd drop his staff or the staff and it would turn to a serpent and Pharaoh's um, cronies or magicians, they'd do the same thing and they copied everything until it got to the lice. And all that says is, and they could not. They couldn't do it anymore. They couldn't copy or imitate the power of God. And, um, you know, it's, 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 there'll be situations in, in our life as we're hearing and, uh, you know, that come up in our world around us where God's, God's power is not going to be able to be imitated. And, um, just to continue to give it, um, to, to never lose our wonder, to know that what God, God has only revealed part of what he has, but we know the rest of that plan is coming. And, um, when, when, and we're just encouraging people to be, to be part of it because again, this world and we are going to see something that, um, has never been seen by this world before. And when it comes, um, awesome is going to be an understatement. And I'll just leave it there. 